This special episode of What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your community, courses, and e-commerce all under one digital roof so that people you serve can learn and grow together. Now, what works, we use Mighty Networks to help small business owners build stronger businesses through community events, monthly programming, and in-depth conversations about the nuts and bolts of marketing, operations, and sales. But what could you do with the Mighty Network? Learn more about how you can grow your online presence and your business with a Mighty Network. Go to MightyNetworks.com. I have a confession to make. This month, I committed to speaking up on Instagram stories every day. I pledged to share something, not necessarily something profound, not necessarily something useful or valuable, just something. And I didn't follow through. In fact, as of the time of this recording, I've been hiding out for more than a week, not really publicly posting anything anywhere. What had been a consistent effort to creatively share my ideas, reflections, and stories has ground to a halt. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that takes you behind the scenes to explore how real small business owners are building stronger businesses. And today, we're talking about all the things that keep us from speaking up and how we can work through them. Now, this is far from the first time I've gone dark on social media. It's the first thing to go when I start to feel overwhelmed and depressed. And in fact, I've been fighting back a period of depression for over a year now, and it's just gotten to be too much. Now, there is something different about going dark this time. So far, it's only impacted social media. And frankly, I don't need to constantly post to social media to run my companies. What's really different about how I've kept speaking up outside of social media is that the systems and routines I've put into place help me maintain a consistent practice of using my voice and sharing my ideas. The What Works Weekly newsletter has still been going out every week. This podcast, of course, has still been being produced every week, and I'm still showing up to share and lead inside the What Works Network. My businesses can survive without social media. They can't survive without me speaking up. 12 years into this small business leadership thing, and I know that my mental health impacts my ability to share, but it doesn't have to stop me in my tracks. I can focus on systems that inspire me to share my thoughts and give me direction when I need it. I can commit to a sustainable pace for using my voice and pull back on any extra effort when it gets to be too much without feeling bad about myself or my capacity. Speaking up for yourself and your business is no joke. Putting your ideas, stories, or information out there can be daunting. Any number of things might be going through your head. Is this really helpful? Hasn't this already been said a million times before? What if someone yells at me? Who am I to say this? What if they think I'm weird? And of course, is anyone paying attention at all? Now, it's not just the head stuff that stops us. Sometimes the challenge is finding our people and speaking directly to them. Sometimes the obstacle is finding a message that makes a connection. Sometimes it's the logistics or the technology that throw you for a loop. So many things stand in the way of us speaking up for ourselves, 
and our small businesses. And today, I've got five stories for you. Each story is from a small business owner who identified a hurdle they had to speaking up and found what worked for them to overcome it. You'll hear from Pocket PhD founder Emily Crookston, photographer Janaris Marte, brand strategist Helen Tremethic, niche partnership consulting founder Mary Beth Simone, and speaking coach Johanna Walker. Before we get to their stories, I want to invite you to join me inside the What Works Network. The What Works Network is for experienced small business owners who are building stronger businesses. Each month, we work on strengthening a part of our businesses or our leadership so that we can run operations that are more sustainable, more effective, and more profitable. Next month, we're tackling skill building and exploring how we level up. In December, we're focusing on strengthening our self-leadership and hosting our 14th day-long virtual conference. When you join the What Works Network, you're locking in a year of top-notch on-demand support and learning for your entrepreneurship. And you're gaining access to a global network of hundreds of small business owners who have been there, done that, and are still doing it every day. To get all the details on the What Works Network and join us, go to explorewhatworks.com slash network. Now let's get back to speaking up with Emily Crookston. Emily is the founder of Pocket PhD and a ghostwriter for Rebels, Renegades, and Mavericks. She helps experts get their big ideas out of their head and into the hands of their fans. Emily started the year with a plan for speaking up, but like many people, her plan was interrupted by the pandemic. Instead of letting that disappointment stop her, Emily crafted a new plan, which included learning an entirely new skill set and forged ahead. One of my strategic priorities for this year with my business is to be seen and to help others be seen. And I'd say really for the first time, I'm starting to feel this more as like a responsibility um, or at least maybe not rising to the level of responsibility, but something beyond merely lead generation for me. So plan A this year for getting seen and speaking up was doing live speaking engagements. Uh, I gave my signature talk for the very first time on, I think it was March 8th at a hip little bar, Black Box Theater in Raleigh, North Carolina. It was super fun. Um, But obviously COVID derailed plans for doing more of these kinds of speaking events. Um, But I'm glad I got to give my talk one time, although I'd have to say I'm more glad I got to go to Costa Rica in January before lockdown. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I've had in mind also for a while that I would be doing more online stuff, more online virtual events, more online marketing. Um, And specifically, I've been thinking about getting more visible on LinkedIn. So I would say the pandemic has really given me the opportunity to lean into networking online um, with LinkedIn. So here's my little system for getting seen and speaking up on LinkedIn. I post every Monday through Friday. I've been doing that consistently since the beginning of June. And I have themes for each day. So Monday is business strategy day, Tuesday is mindfulness, Wednesday is promotional content, etc. I create my posts a week in advance, or at least I try to when I'm feeling inspired and motivated. Um, And then I also engage with other people uh, 20 minutes a day, and I try to do that twice a day, I should say, 20 minutes twice a day, uh, where I go in and comment on other people's posts, I reply to people commenting on my stuff, etc. And I'd say for the most part, I've succeeded in not falling down the rabbit hole of 
trying to outsmart the algorithm. So I, I think the keeping my mind on the consistency and showing just showing up has really helped with my mindset around you know, speaking up on LinkedIn. It makes it easier when I'm just focused on the consistency part. And when it comes to helping others be seen on LinkedIn, I started this interview series. I call it the Own Your Expertise interview series. So I'll use Zoom to pre-record or we go live. Um, and I just basically hang out with cool entrepreneurs I want to talk with, ask them their stories about getting to their own path, how, the, how they became the experts that they are. Um, and then I post these uh, interviews on LinkedIn every Thursday. It's, it's, I like to call it my own little research project into entrepreneurial anthropology. <laughs> um, so in terms of results of all of this, before the summer, all my Big Fish clients came through referrals. Since I started speaking up on LinkedIn, I've gotten three ghostwriting prospects, one of whom became a client so far. I'd say my pipeline is full at this point. Um, because I never know where my clients are really coming from, my strategy really right now is just to meet as many people as I can. And getting out on LinkedIn is really helping me do that. I'd say that I've accepted that even though most of my work happens behind the scenes, my personal brand can and should step out onto the stage. So I used to think that speaking up was only important for like flashy businesses that needed a huge volume of customers. But I'm really starting to think about how I can speak up and be seen by more people, even as a solopreneur. Um, like I said, I don't think of it as purely a tool for lead generation anymore. It's about a lot more than that. I really love inspiring people and I want to help people and speak up more for those reasons. Um, I want to talk to new business owners and I want to help academics who are looking to get out of academia like I did, that kind of thing. So yeah, I'd say this is what I'm thinking about in relation to speaking up. Um, I'm sure I'll give my signature talk again someday, but for now, I'm really enjoying the conversations I'm having on LinkedIn and all the new people that I'm meeting who I wouldn't have met otherwise. It's frustrating when our plans get interrupted and all of that frustration can lead to giving up. But there is always a way forward. Emily's quick thinking and willingness to follow through on her strategic priority to be seen meant that she could stick to her plan for speaking up even if it ended up looking completely different in practice. Something else that can keep us from speaking up is actually knowing who to speak to. The temptation, of course, can be to speak to everybody, assuming that the more people we could potentially reach, the more people will come our way. But trying to speak to everyone most often ends up in speaking to no one. Next up, we'll hear from photographer Janaris Marte. Janaris realized that if she really wanted to connect with people, she had to get super specific about who she was speaking to and how she could help. I've made several shifts in my business in the last 15 plus years. In the beginning, I would photograph everything. I would photograph anyone who would call me and who needed something. I photographed weddings, big and small. I did catalogs. I did food photography. Anything that anyone wanted, if they asked for it, I said, yes, I could do it. And of course, you know, that's something that a lot of people do that in the beginning of their career, kind of trying to figure out where they want to go and where their passion is. But I realized really quickly that I didn't like all types of photography. Doing that left me very dissatisfied and left my clients needing more. I really didn't like photographing weddings for 12 hours or photographing a little bottle of lipstick for eight hours. And I didn't like it. So it took some really angry or disappointed clients feedback 
for me to realize that I needed to specialize in something. With so many photographers out there, the challenge was figuring out how to stand out. I knew my clients deserved more of an experience, but I just didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what to give them. And of course, when you're looking in your industry and when you're friends with lots of photographers, you tend to just copy what they do or do it because it's the norm in the industry. So when other photographers are giving clients their digitals and kind of guiding them and telling them, well, here are your digitals, you do as you wish, you tend to do the same. But I started to look at different industries like realtors and coaches and stylists, and I realized what customers really wanted. When someone hires a service provider, they want the service to be completed. And that's not something that photographers are doing. So I decided to take the photography to the next level. I wanted to give them a finished product. I wanted them to have prints in their homes. I wanted to install it for them. I wanted them to just turn around and see their images, their beautiful portraits on the wall, see their family pictures on the wall and just be happy with it. I didn't want them to have to go to Michael's to get a frame and to go to get it printed and find out where to get it printed. I wanted to be the one to do that for them. I wanted to be the boutique service that gave them that finished product that they were looking for. I knew that if I could provide a service to my clients that other photographers were not doing, I was going to already stand out. But I wanted to take it to another level and then offer an experience for my clients. I began partnering up with businesses that could give my clients an experience or an encounter that I could help them remember for a really long time. The first business I partnered up with was a zoo. And this is where my clients can now go to this zoo, have an encounter with a lion or a cougar or a monkey, and I can photograph it for them. Their family playing with the animals and that way they have this memory of that encounter for the rest of their lives. I've partnered with Airbnb owners or hotels so that my families can come, enjoy the day. I photograph them as a family in a beautiful five-star space, and then they can stay and spend the night so they have a staycation. It took a lot of thinking to figure out what would make my clients happy, what would make the families that I photograph have an elevated experience. This was just one of them. But I also give client gifts. So when someone hires me, they get a welcome gift or a thank you gift at the end of the session. So it's just a complete experience that I hope that all the little touch points make a difference. So far, I've had really good feedback. So far, uh, the clients have been really happy, you know, to get little things in the mail. Those are those little bonuses and little gifts in the mail have definitely made a difference and a big impact in their overall session. And it's made it really easy for me to speak to who my ideal client is on my website. So when I talk about it on my website, I'm speaking to the person who wants to propose on a yacht or have an encounter with their children in a museum or have a day out in the city and have it photographed so that they can remember it forever. And while at the beginning, I thought that by me niching down and by me getting super, super specific was going to take away all my work, it actually has brought the right client to call me. Now the ones who call me on Google are those who went through my website, understand what it is that I do, understand that I'm going to give them an elevated experience and a finished product and that they're going to pay more, but it's going to be worth it. And so it's been something that has definitely made me much happier and has set that level of expectation in their mind so that they know exactly what they're going to receive. 
When you know exactly who you're speaking to, it's a heck of a lot easier to figure out what to say, when to say it, and where to say it. If you're feeling stuck about what to say and who to say it to, it might be time to niche down like Generis so you can speak directly to the people you really want to reach. Another challenge many business owners run into in the process of trying to find their voices and putting themselves out there is trying to move forward with an identity that just doesn't fit. I have certainly been there. While I grew my audience and reputation with the name Tara Gentili, it wasn't long before that name didn't feel like mine anymore. After all, it wasn't really my name. It was my ex-husband's. There was quite a while when my identity as someone who was not Tara Gentili made it difficult to speak up for myself and my business. Changing my name gave me the ability to find my voice again, a voice that was uniquely mine. Helen Tremethic has a similar story. Helen has rebranded her business to better reflect her identity and the way she wants to show up. I'll let her explain. My name is Helen Tremethic, formerly of the Communications Distillery. For those of you who know me, that word formally might come as a surprise. I've been the CEO of the Communications Distillery for nearly a decade, and the reason behind my big rebranding has a lot to do with speaking up. I'm a brand voice strategist, business coach, and copywriter, and since 2011, I've coached hundreds of business owners to be more authentic, to be truer to themselves, and to speak up about what makes them different, unique, fun, strange, wacky, what really makes them stand out. Because if you want to be noticed in your industry, you need to stand out and communicate that value to your wider audience. You need to, so that your clients can find you and know that you're the right solution for them. Of course, all the time I was showing others how to make their mark, I was hiding behind an agency name with no desire to grow my team. All that time, I was curbing my tendency to swear like a friendly pirate keeping my very strong left-wing politics close, and never ever using words like patriarchy. I wasn't speaking up. I wasn't using my voice despite getting great results showing my clients how to use theirs. Now, you're probably asking yourself, but wait, what? Why, when you already know the answer, when you already know how to do the thing, why, Helen, would you hold yourself back from being who you are? And the answer is simple. I was scared. I was scared to rock the boat. I was scared to lose potential clients. I was scared to stick out for the wrong reasons. And because of that, I wasn't aligned with who I really am. I wasn't aligned with my leadership style or my results. I often talk to my clients about the trifecta of success, action, accountability, and alignment. We need to stay in action, even imperfect action, or our businesses and our self-confidence tank. We end up worrying too much about micro decisions. We need accountability because human beings do not thrive in a vacuum. And we need alignment because if we aren't aligning our actions to who we are, the other two are just movement and cheerleading at best. Of course, speaking up isn't just about saying whatever old thing comes to your mind. It isn't about being completely uncurated or airing all your dirty laundry. Speaking up and doing it well is about alignment. It's about saying the things you need to say to honor who you are. It's about clear boundaries. It's about giving yourself permission to be you. It's about giving me permission to be me. For my business, 
and myself, leaning into who I am, showing more of my cards, letting my freak flag fly, so to speak, has made it way easier for my right people to spot me in the crowd. They know that when we work together, I'll be real with them, and therefore, they can be real with me. And straight up, that has been great for business. My name is Helen Tremethic. I'm an opinionated, farm-dwelling Canadian who is also a brand voice strategist and business coach for misfits, rebels, and revolutionaries. If there's a part of your brand, personal identity, or online presence that feels off, it can make you want to hide. Speaking up comes most naturally when everything fits like a nice, cozy sweater. Now, of course, it can be a challenge to find the identity that makes you feel that way. So it shouldn't stop you from using your voice. But once you know what's holding you back, it's worth it to make a change. Now, what happens when a sweet speak up opportunity comes your way? For many business owners, the natural reaction is to think, who? Me? You can't possibly think I'm the right person for this. Call it imposter complex. Call it stage fright. Call it the curse of expertise. Call it whatever you want. But if your brain doesn't let you take advantage of an opportunity to speak up when it comes your way, you've got a problem. Mary Beth Simone, founder of Niche Partnership Consulting, almost let an opportunity slip through the cracks, but found a way to take advantage of that and then used that as a lesson for plowing through other obstacles on her path to speaking up. Hi, my name is Mary Beth Simone, and my business is Niche Partnership Consulting. I primarily help entrepreneurs and individuals create their personal contingency plans that empower their second in command to keep business and life running smoothly in an emergency. In 2019, I was focused on writing my signature talk and getting speaking engagements at events and in, on panels. And when working with one of my coaches last year, she suggested that I host my own event and not just depend on functions hosted uh, by other people. And I was resistant. I wondered who would attend my events. Uh, I thought that everybody had already heard my spiel. But then in November, I found out that I was selected for the second round in a speaking event competition. And that meant that I needed to host an in-person event and submit video footage of the event. So in a two-week time period, I pulled together the event at a beautiful local inn. I invited all of my local friends and colleagues, and there was a good turnout. I was able to use the video footage for my speaker page on my website and created footage for the competition. And I also created footage to use as part of a pitch for the women's conference in Maine, and I got three new leads that night. I learned that sometimes my first response is no to an idea that somebody has that's good for my business, but makes me feel a little uncomfortable when it comes to implementing it. And then my goal for 2020 was to book more in-person speaking engagements. And of course, we all know that since March, uh, speaking engagements became virtual, but because I was prepared, I was able to secure some additional 
engagements uh, since I was ready in March. I worked with Carol Cox and Speaking Your Brand to convert my talk into a more engaging virtual experience because it does require different techniques than what I was accustomed to using in person. And since I had my talk ready and I was comfortable with the virtual event technology, I was actually able to pick up some extra events right when COVID started because some other speakers were not yet prepared uh, to go virtual. And now I host my own virtual events at least monthly on Zoom or on Crowdcast, and I am slowly but surely expanding my reach. So the bottom line is I'm so glad that I hosted my in-person event last November, uh, especially considering that it's not an option now, and I'm more confident about hosting my own events overall. If I could get a do-over on all of the opportunities I let go by because I second-guessed myself, well... I'd probably be in a pretty sweet spot. Opportunities to speak up come our way for good reason. We have something valuable to say and a unique way of saying it. Trust yourself and the invitation you've received. All right, we've got one more story to share here and one more obstacle to overcome to speaking up. The online world, and specifically the shift to really only showing up online post-COVID, has presented us with countless new ways to speak up. But each new platform, each new technology has its own learning curve, and they each have their own set of mental hurdles to jump over to. Johanna Walker is a public speaking coach and storytelling expert. She helps coaches, consultants, leaders, and changemakers transform their fear of public speaking into power and presence so they can tell stories that move their audiences to action. Now, Johanna is no stranger to a stage, and yet the transition to speaking online presented its own set of challenges for her. Add to that the call to speak out on issues she had previously avoided publicly, and it's no wonder she felt a little unsure of herself. But she found the way forward. Pre-COVID, my business was mostly in person. I did a lot of speaking around the region. I host a story slam in Boulder, Colorado that got me in front of 200 people every other month. I did a lot of in-person networking. All my programs and most of my one-on-one coaching happened in person. Honestly, a big part of my message was shut down the computer and get in rooms with people where you can make more meaningful connections. When I'm in the room with my audience, I can see their faces and their eyes. I know who's in the room. I know who's listening. I get to connect on a physical level. And I had a story that that couldn't really happen online. For me, speaking online had always been profoundly uncomfortable. It's just me talking into the void. Who knows who's watching? Who knows who's listening? Who knows what's happening on the other side of the screen? You know, you put your precious, tender, vulnerable heart out there, and people can just scroll past or stomp all over it, or ignore it, or leave nasty comments, or just log off. So the shift to virtual when lockdown happened, let's just say I had some resistance. I didn't do that quick pivot that so many people did. But I did start posting some videos. One of the videos I made was shortly after George Floyd was murdered. I was speaking to white people about the anti-racism work we need to be doing with one another. 
the responsibility we have as white people to use our voices to take a stand against racism. I had done a fair amount of anti-racism work in my life, but I hadn't been public about it in my business. And it became clear that I needed to use my voice in a bigger way. In that video, I invited white people to have conversations with me. I shared my calendar and invited people to join me in doing the nitty-gritty, uncomfortable work of cleaning up our stuff in order to be more effective accomplices in the fight against racism. The video got some visibility and some pushback, and I rolled with it. Mostly, it opened the door to so many conversations and meaningful connections, that thing that I thought couldn't happen online. One of the things that came out of those conversations was a storytelling project in which I co-led a mixed group, mixed race group of people to develop and share publicly stories about how their racial identity had shaped their lives. It was an amazing experience. The relationships that got built in that group were profound. The work people did on their own identity as well as truly listening to and learning about others was so rich. And I'm happy to say that project is continuing. It's opened a whole new door. And it happened because I was willing to get uncomfortable, to speak into that virtual void, to risk my own safety and comfort in service of something bigger. What I learned, again, you know, it's one of those things we have to keep learning, is that when I truly speak what I care about, when I truly show up in my vulnerability, in my fear, in my not quite knowing how to do it right, in service, when I show up in service, and remember, it's not really about me. It's about the connection I make with another human being. When I do that, when I did that this summer, it opened doors for me to do deeper work in my business, work that truly had an impact. So much becomes possible when you put your voice out, when you try something risk failure, risk humiliation, risk falling flat on your face. And I know it's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it. But when you do it, it is so powerful. Over and over, I see the benefit to my business, to my life, to the world, when I'm willing to step out and speak up. I intend to keep walking to my edge and speaking up. I hope to see you there. My husband, Sean, likes to quote his grandfather, who I'm sure was quoting someone else. He says, the antidote to anxiety is action. Speaking up can cause us all sorts of anxiety, whether it's because we're saying something that challenges our idea of what's polite, or because we're sharing an idea that seems obvious, or because we're using a new platform to share our message. We can be tempted to stay quiet until we're entirely certain how it's all going to turn out. But the best way to relieve the anxiety is just to speak up, to show up, and use our voices imperfectly. That's what Johanna did, and it's what all of the stories you've heard today have in common. No matter what obstacle you're facing on the path to speaking up with more confidence, taking a small step forward today is worth it. It might mean sticking to your systems like I have. It could mean taking on a new identity like Helen. It could be nailing who you're talking to like Janaris. It could be learning a new platform or style like Emily, Mary Beth, or Johanna. Whatever step you take today to speak up is a step in the right direction. Keep moving forward. 
Find links to all of today's guests in our show notes. Huge thanks to Emily Crookston, Janaris Marte, Helen Tremethic, Mary Beth Simone, and Johanna Walker for sharing their stories. Next month, we're focused on leveling up our skills. Is there a skill you'd love to learn to improve your business? Would it be easier to complete an important project or try something new if only you had the skills to do it? I spoke with five small business owners about the skills they've learned recently and how those skills have impacted their businesses. The first in that series will be coming at you next week. If you're ready to lock in a year's worth of support, learning, and growth for you and your small business, it's time to join the What Works Network. Together, we're building stronger businesses and becoming stronger leaders. Get access to a global network of experienced small business owners, weekly business building events, monthly focus areas, and much, much more. Go to explorewhatworks.com network to get all the details and join us. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our production assistants are Kristen Runvik and Lou Blazer with special help from Shannon Paris. Till next time, keep doing What Works.